0: Hey everyone, thanks for listening to The Reality of It Is, now under Pants Optional. You can check out my podcast as well as It's Personal with Pants Optional on any major podcast listening station. Today I'll be talking to Brendan, a chef at Old Thousand, which is so much more than a delicious Chinese restaurant. Given social distancing, I had to call Brendan to make this episode instead of recording under one roof. Brendan, you were up for head chef at an East Austin restaurant. You were hired on, actually, a week before the pandemic hit the U.S. And then what happened?
1: And then the apocalypse hit us, and the the world changed, and so our business changed. So um, now I'm acting more of the capacity of sous chef. We still have the second location, though it hasn't opened yet, and we're wondering how... We're going to do that.
0: <laughs> so the second restaurant that you were going to be head chef at is tangibly there, but obviously not open. Um, yeah, we're paying rent for it. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're paying rent for it. That's that's awful. That sucks. What is work like now? How has it changed?
1: It's changed in the way that... Um, so we can't do in-house dining. We switched our front-of-house staff over to delivery and delivery operators. So we have people mailing the phones, people driving deliveries in their cars, which is great because we have that actually covered in our insurance policy. And um, it prevents Uber from taking 30% of our sales.
0: Oh, good. Yeah, I didn't even think about third-party delivery companies that take a hit for you. Because this creates now more, not more jobs, but at least places other employees who more than likely would have would have or have lost their job can now do the deliveries themselves yeah it, it gives us a little bit more stability and it keeps our restaurant family as a whole right we also we also bumped up our our servers uh,
1: from you know the server minimum wage what is it 250 an hour it's eight dollars an hour still getting tips we're still feeding our employees We're feeding 20 people a day uh, of unemployed service industry members as well for free. Oh, wow. So we're trying to do our best to maintain our business and in whatever capacity we can to help our community.
0: How have sales changed? What level are you guys at now that it's all to-go orders?
1: Well, sales have changed in the sense that Packaging costs are now a um, much huge, much greater uh, impact on our business. And it's only been three or four weeks, so we can't really tell exactly what our averages are. But I'd say they're usually around 75% of what they typically were. So we're doing a lot better than most people.
0: That's good. I didn't even think about packaging costs either. Or the insurance issue of having your employees make the deliveries themselves on their vehicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned that you guys are making meals for 20 people. How are you guys distributing those meals?
1: Well, we have a pickup window of between 3 and 4, so anybody who can can swing by if they sign up, obviously. And they can do that um, at my email. We can talk about that in a second. Okay. But if they, e- if they email me and they can make the three to four pickup window then we'll have a meal waiting for them
0: wow that's super nice and you guys do that every day
1: we do it every day we also did um a taste of cocoa is doing a promotional where they're feeding 100 people a day so we collaborated with them
0: on one day we've had 100 people oh wow and uh, we're in talks with Minamoto Foods right now. They're
1: uh, looking to supply us with additional food so we can feed hopefully more people.
0: That's amazing. And is it anyone can sign up, or is it specific to the service industry, restaurants?
1: Well, this program is specific to service industry. It's We call it family meal because that's what we eat in our restaurant. We feed our staff, and we call it family meal. We, oh. we spend more time together than we do with our, our families and especially the chef team where we're working, you know, 60, 70, 80 hour, hour weeks. We're all families. So we feed each other.
0: That's awesome. But apart from
1: that, we're also, um, implementing other programs to hopefully feed more people. We're looking to start feeding, um, people in the front lines, those in the, the medical industry who are there <laughs> seeing yeah. the faces of death, you know, and, yeah, I- uh, Also, the executive chef is an ultra-runner, or ultra-marathon runner. So he runs races, foot races, of 100-plus miles. So he was scheduled to do one this weekend. Obviously, that one was canceled. Mm -hmm. So what he's doing now is he's going to spend this weekend running as far as he can. And he's hoping that people will maybe match a a dollar for every mile that he runs, and that money is going to go to the Central Texas Food Bank.
0: That's fantastic. We'll definitely put a link for that in the podcast notes, and then I'll also put your email down if people want to sign up for those family meals that you guys are offering. We'll put that in the podcast notes as well, and people can um, try to sign up for that. Wow, that's super cool. You guys are giving back a lot, and and working a lot. You said earlier when we were talking that you guys are putting in more hours now than before?
1: Yeah. Um, since our service windows gone from, like, 5 to 10, 5 to 11, was our, it was our typical um, service time, now we're doing 12 to 9, and we're running deliveries during that whole time, too. Wow. So the restaurant as a whole is working more, in a sense. We've had to cut some hours because we simply just get not everybody's working all the time right but we are doing our best to make sure that our business stays afloat so we can take care of our people as well as whatever we can do we want to do for our community
0: absolutely that's really awesome of you guys i'm also surprised that you're working more i know before all of this i thought the amount of hours that you were working are were crazy in general just and that's just the nature of the of the job but kind of crazy to hear that you guys are working more hours and on top of that donating food and time as well to do all this it's crazy what is the percentage of people you know that have lost their job or they've been in this industry and not enough positions for them
1: (laughs) well i'm not a very social person so (laughs) i i don't have that many friends but i don't know it seems like it's pretty significant
0: do you know how some people are getting by that are in this industry that lost their job because of it? Because of the pandemic?
1: I think <laughs> most people are trying just not to go crazy. It seems like, you know, this has only been a month, so with that stimulus check hopefully in your pocket, and there's still, you know, unemployment, and I'm sure people were getting some later paychecks too, like a week or two into this. Sure. But there's there's still money circulating, but... I think it's going to dry up pretty soon.
0: Yeah. That reminds me of your comment earlier when we were speaking about the confidence level, how that's changed, how the beginning of the month, people were out in parks hanging out, kind of social distancing, as you said. But now it's kind of like an oh shit moment is kind of hitting.
1: I'm not even certain that we're there yet. I think people are starting to realize the gravity, but not an oh shit (laughs) Oh shit is when I mean, it's good that we have this face mask um, addendum to the shelter in place order but I think oh shit is more of I don't have money I don't have government programs
0: Mm -hmm.
1: there's no end to this in sight Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do
0: Do you think that's going to come pretty quickly?
1: No, no, no The, The way that we're doing things now it's going to be a slow crawl if that is to happen
0: why do you why do you think that
1: I think that because we're not making a solid decision of a direction that we're taking we're just slowly implementing more and more onto borders that are already in place if we want to shelter in place we need to be really stringent about that but it seems like people are still pretty lax about it
0: right right Yeah, that's true. What's the biggest surprise in dealing with this pandemic that you've come across?
1: I I don't know. I I would say that I've made some observations. I wouldn't say that I was necessarily surprised. I'm not surprised for a couple of reasons. One, because there's nothing to expect. This has never happened before. So if you had some kind of expectation, then you could have an element of surprise. But besides that, it's been nice to see... That people are doing some stuff for other people. It seems like the community, in a lot of ways, is really reaching out to other people and making sure that everybody's okay. Other ways, you see people trying to profiteer and being total pieces of shit. It's not surprising to see people stupid as ever just doing stupid things.
0: And what do you mean by that? Like people who are like stockpiling materials? More of people
1: who are, like, coughing and sneezing on produce because they think it's a funny joke.
0: Oh, my God. Have you seen that? Or
1: there, there's been reports on it in, like, social media and Internet and stuff. Or people who are trying to
0: sell 39 million face masks to hospitals fraudulently. Right. Or
1: people who are blatantly disregarding shelter-in-place orders People who don't believe that coronavirus even exists.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's nuts.
1: And it it makes sense that there would be conspiracies because we don't know what's happened and what's going to happen. But to the extent
0: that people are looking at this and the the direction that the imagination takes in some forms, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't even have words for it. It just is ridiculous. But like you said, I guess it is unsurprising because we haven't gone anything through this. We spoke earlier about how the closest thing, at least for our generation, was probably the 2007-2009 recession. But even then, there was a total of 9 million jobs lost during that time, whereas we've already hit 10 million within the first two weeks of this heading.
1: Yeah, we've gone from a record low 2% national unemployment rate to a 10% unemployment um, unemployment rate in three weeks. And those figures are still underreported.
0: Right. Also, Red, The Atlantic had mentioned that we're either don't have the capability of actually hitting those numbers or they just haven't serviced yet. But more than likely, it's we don't have the ability to truly and accurately hit those numbers because we've never gone through something like this. Right. What do you think is going to be the biggest change after businesses start opening again? Or is that even like a thought?
1: It's a thought, but I mean, man, that's so far out there. How are businesses going to come back online? Is it going to be a slow roll? Are people still going to be required to wear face masks? And for how long? Mm Mm-hmm will delivery take over as the standard procedure for most people or will people still look for that experiential dining destination
0: i i have to admit that i really miss it but i almost feel guilty even saying that because it's such a bigger issue than just being like yeah enjoying a cocktail at a restaurant with ambiance
1: i don't think you should feel guilty about it there's a lot of things i've start to be missed now like every, everybody who uh can't go on their their tinder dates because of <laughs> this just simple things like that just human interaction there's nothing wrong in missing that
0: i hadn't even thought about how dating is essentially it, it is non-existent during this time
1: yeah i mean i've thought about it it's it, it is a huge impact on running a restaurant if we can provide a romantic setting for people to come in and enjoy themselves and enjoy each other, then that's really what the restaurant is all about. We're here to make good food to make people happy. And it's it's hard to do that when we're putting it in a box and it's traveling in a car for 30 minutes to an hour.
0: Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't that doesn't set the tone <laughs> nearly as much as the pretty decor that you guys have. I had a whole thousand.
1: I'm just, I'm just glad that there are a lot of people who still don't know how to cook.
0: That people do know how to cook?
1: <laughs> There's still a good amount of people who do not know
0: how to cook. <laughs> oh, I see, I see. I um, ordered the scallion pancake quesadilla last week. I gotta no. tell you, that was freaking amazing.
1: Well, that's good to hear. Uh, this last weekend, we actually revamped it. Yes. We were doing... A- caramelized onion jam we like smoked mm. the onions caramelized them and then added uh our brisket jus and a little bit of sugar and black vinegar and reduced that down so that was stuffed inside of the quesadilla as long as, <sighs> as well as some uh brisket jus on the side to
0: dip oh my god okay we're gonna post the link to old thousand so that everyone can order there because that sounds freaking amazing yeah
1: an April Fool's menu every year. we were really excited for this year because we had a really, really solid one where we we're going to do, like, pizza fried rice and cheeseburger egg rolls and um, flaming Hot Cheeto Chicken Sandwich. <laughs> and one of one of the uh, menu items that I had in line was a Chinese chicken fried steak. <laughs> like, well, the chicken fried steak, it was, we have a tenderloin that we use to buttermilk, uh, bread and fry and it was tossed with a beef fat black garlic mustard
0: oh my god
1: brisket jus we served it this weekend and oh my god it was really really good so
0: that's hilarious um, i saw online i guess when i ordered the pancake was close to april fool's and i didn't understand what that was
1: yeah we're running april fool's specials this whole month
0: (laughs) that's awesome your brother just text messaged me to ask you for a recipe to help people cook during this pandemic.
1: Oh, wow. I don't know. It's, it's hard, to, hard to say because I, I'm not certain what people have in their fridge or what they have in their pantry. But if you have rice and beans, you can cook some rice and beans, get some eggs. Oh, man, I love cooking eggs.
0: That's what came to mind rice, beans, and eggs.
1: Uh, I mean, I <laughs> imagine everybody has that in their, in their pantry.
0: That's true.
1: I don't really have recipes. I work through flavor profiles and ratios.
0: Oh, my goodness. So the average American should just order food from Old Thousand, and then when they're not feeling up to it, cook rice and beans and maybe some eggs. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll do that. How, oh. how about instead of a meal, I'll, I'll
1: give you some food for thought?
0: Okay, that's a, that's a lot better.
1: I think that the way that people approach food is it ranges. Sometimes it's like subsistence only and they're just eating microwave ramen and they don't, they don't give a fuck what they're putting in their body. Mm-hmm. That's fine. You know, do that. But other people, you know, it might be their family recipes. It might be, it's usually like a sense of familiarity. Like, oh, I know how to cook pot roast and my mom cooked pot roast, so I'm going to cook pot roast. Or other people, you know, the the foodie, the more adventurous, they, they want to stock their pantry with all kinds of condiments from every corner of the world. And, you know, that's really good to have that kind of versatility, but the way that I approach things is more of, I have a specific larder, I have so many things in my pantry, I have so many things in the refrigerator, what tastes good together, and then look to preparations, techniques. So... I want to have something that a meal should have a range of flavors, textures, colors, and the way that we prepare these. I see recipes in ratios, in percentages. I think everybody should learn baker's percentages if they, they want to learn how to cook. Because once you understand how different components of a recipe affect the final dish, yeah. then you can cook anything.
0: Baker's, Ratios? I didn't even know that was a thing or never heard of it.
1: Yes, yeah, it's baker's percentages. Basically, it's looking to your most basic uh, ingredients to the bread recipe. It's flour, water, yeast, salt. So if you adjust those measurements at all, you'll have vastly different product. The way that it works is you're measuring everything in comparison to the weight of the flour. Because flour is the, the substrate. Flour is what creates the bread. And then you add your water to it. Water will give you a consistency of the bread. If you want a very dense bread, like a bagel or a pretzel, Mm -hmm. that's usually somewhere around the 50% hydration mark. Pasta's in in that same kind of hydration area. So to say 50%, that'd be, say, 1,000 grams of flour. 50% hydration would be 500 grams of water. Usually you want to be around 2% salinity, so... You have 1,000 grams of flour, then you add 2%, 2 percent, two grams of salt, or sorry, 20 grams of salt. And then your yeast, you could add a scant amount for a slow proof. You'll have a greater development of flavor over time. It's going to take longer. But if you add a lot of yeast, it's going to go a lot faster, but you'll have a very pronounced yeast flavor.
0: It sounds like you have all the knowledge in your head. But for someone like me who doesn't know any of this, and I need a reference is there a website or a company or something that you recommend referring to?
1: I think there are a few really good resources that can help you with that. If Ratios and percentages specifically, there's a book by Michael Roman called Ratios. And it's all about ratios in the food world. And as far as baker's percentages goes, I mean, there's the list of books goes on. But I think my favorite bread are probably tartine bakery and mm. flower water salt yeast is what it's called. That one's really good. But for general reference, I think Serious Eats, the Food Lab, there's also a book called The Food Lab by the same guy, Jake Kenji Lopez. That's um, James Beard awarded as well. That has a lot of information regarding I don't know, the science of food. I think it's better to learn rather than a recipe understand food as a greater concept and how it acts together.
0: That way we can, like you said, figure out what we have in our pantry and actually cook it versus... Yeah, cook anything. That's great advice. Good food for thought. I like it.
1: Oh, and there's one more book that I would recommend. It's called uh, The Flavor Bible. There are a few other books that are similar in, in concept, like The Flavor Matrix that's kind of the one that everybody has on their bookshelf the flavor bible it is just an encyclopedia of different ingredients that you would use and it pairs with other ingredients like if you look to parsley it will say parsley is good with chives with eggs with garlic with lemon and it will just have a huge list of things that if you have these things in your house you might as well cook them in the same recipe because they're going to taste good together
0: The flavor bible. I think I can remember that. That's pretty easy. You gave me a lot of food for thought, and now I'm thrown off and hungry. Can I convince you to make starter?
1: I mean, that's really easy to do. I mean, it seems like it's a really big trend right now, so there's a lot of information out there. But I would say the most basic, easiest way to do it is to mix, we'll say, 100 grams of flour, 100 grams of water. You want to get the highest quality flour. Your water—you don't want it to be cl- uh, chlorinated.
0: Oh. So at least like at least filter it or something, because chlorine is going to kill any microorganism, any kind of yeast oh. that would be out there. I didn't even think about that.
1: Just flour and it's just water. So you want to get the the simpler the recipe, the higher quality that you want to go with the ingredient. So what you do is you just mix it together, leave it on the counter for two days, cover it loosely with say cheesecloth because you, you want some kind of airflow in there. You want whatever kind of wild yeast, wild bacteria to inoculate your starter. Leave it out for two days at room temperature, pour off the majority of it the next day, just throw it in the trash. Oh. And then, <laughs> then you want to add back to that 100 grams flour and water, and you just keep up with that cycle every day. If you want to find something very high quality, Look to see if there's a, a mill in your in your immediate area. Here in Austin, we have Barton Springs Mill. Mm-hmm. He's been making a huge impact. James Brown is the the owner of the company, the hardest working man in the industry. But he is selling out of Central Market now too. He's I at the farmers markets. He's at Central Market, and I don't know if you still can, but you used to be able to go. You should used to be able to drive by his storefront and pick some up, pick some flour up.
0: That's super cool. That'll be my first stop then for my starter, I guess. And I'll test it out. I guess I kind of want to bring it back to the pandemic. Other than working longer hours, has your daily life changed?
1: I mean, I guess it's changed. It's changed in the sense that I'm making food for people every day that I wasn't previously cooking. But I mean, I was doing that in in a sense anyway.
0: You referring uh, to like donating the food?
1: Yeah, yeah and I mean, I was doing that in a sense in that I was already producing family meal for the staff mm-hmm. I mean obviously things are weird but it's not that different in the end it's still running a restaurant and in the end the reality of everything is always adapt
0: or die yeah that's a, that's a really interesting point my next question was going to be what your advice or how you're handling the situation. You kinda summed it up pretty nicely in Adopt or Die, but how do you go about doing that? I personally know you not well, but I know you well enough to to know that this isn't like an emotional time for you, or is it?
1: I'm not a very emotional person, so I wouldn't say that this is an emotional time for me, but man, I wouldn't even say there is specific stressors I like to think of myself as a solution-oriented person. I think a lot of people, when they have problems, they just kind of wallow in the problem, mm-hmm. and they don't, they don't seek to solve the problem. And if there's a problem in in front of me, then it's either something I can fix or change my perspective. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a problem if I don't want it, if I don't want to believe it's a problem. Right. You know, like, if, if I ordered red shoes and I got blue I could send it back or decide actually I'm fine with the blue
0: yeah choosing the emotions that you want to feel when possible I don't think a lot some people can't do that
1: yeah some some people choose not to I would say that they can't some people can't for sure but I'd say mo- most people they can but they choose not to yeah other than that I mean to look at things objectively, save your money.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: It, it doesn't look like money is going to be that great for a little while. And if you do spend your money, I'd say spend it wisely. If you're going to invest it in somewhere, Amazon's doing right, re- really well right now. I think gold is going to jump pretty soon. I mean, gold is God's money, so that's always a good place to put it.
0: Look to the essential businesses that cannot shut down right now. Mm -hmm. It's
1: impossible for
0: them, too. Yeah, I thought about that when thinking about investing and having a diversified portfolio. And I thought, oh, well, hospitals and grocery stores really can't ever shut down. So however to go about that would be smart. Right. You had mentioned earlier that to support restaurants, it's best to order directly from you guys so that you guys can make money and actually pay your employees. Do you have other advice for helping out local companies?
1: I think that you say local is the first thing to look at Mm
0: -hmm.
1: because if it's a national company most of them are going to be fine I mean some of them are in a complete shutdown right now like hotel chains
0: and
1: airlines and stuff like that but I mean, there's nothing you can really do about that but, like, national restaurant groups, they're going to do just fine. Mm-hmm. McDonald's is not going to shut its doors.
0: Right.
1: If The more local you look, and the smaller you look, those are the people that need the money the most.
0: That's a really good point. And, obviously, you should have been tipping for, but tip, 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 because waiters aren't making tips now. I mean, to the level that they were. True,
1: yeah. But it's also understandable that if you can't tip that much like every little bit helps and i think i think good intentions go a lot of way uh, a long way i think if you want to do something good for other people try to expand awareness if you have a lot of information compiled for yourself and how you can survive this then there's a good chance that there's somebody that you know that doesn't have this information and you should share that
0: i like that Do you you have other information that we haven't hit on today that you want to share?
1: My primary focuses have been in the survival of our own business. So it's mostly, most of my attention has just been towards uh, looking at what we can do in the immediate for ourselves, as well as maintaining our 20 meals a day and trying to figure out ways to get more donations towards the food bank and stuff like that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I I personally don't have a lot of information towards that, but yeah, we are collaborating with or we have collaborated with A Taste of Cocoa, and we're hoping to collaborate with Minamoto Foods.
0: Cool. Well, I'll put the links up for that in the podcast notes, and then I'll get the email from you for people to sign up for the meals that you guys are the family meals that you guys are providing. Yeah, it sounds great. Thanks so much, Brendan. I think we nailed it.
1: Yeah, we we did it.
0: We did it. Thanks for listening. For more content, check out pantsoptional.co or follow us on Instagram at Maria underscore Salmaron and ugh pants, that's U-G-H, pants.